you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take my buddy up on his idea to start a cannabis business and we're going to help win this campaign. We're going to do it. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 124, February 3rd, 2019, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Part 2 with Brandon Emmett. He's had some time to relax, be off the cannabis control board, just sit back and reflect. Today, we're going to hear a little bit about that process, what happened, his thoughts on Vivian Stiver, how important it is that we call our legislators. Do not have her confirmed. Last four days, I've been on a Facebook ban. Some of you people have been reaching out. Sorry I haven't been able to get in touch with you. I'll be back later. Shouldn't take too long. It was about my Patreon. Patreon. Well, it did have a picture of Doughboy's beautiful blueberry herb. That might have been it. Let's get right to part two for Ann and Emmett. But first, Patreon. Become a patron of Far North Tokers at patreon.com slash midtoker. Listeners supporting the artist for as little as $2 a month. Patreon helps continue new weekly shows. And now your patronage comes with extra benefits from our sponsors. Chena Cannabis, The North Bowl Refinery, Dab Lab AK, and Moving Free Farms. Thank you to our newest patrons, D.B. Copeland and Barry Dabber. Sarah Grover, Josiah Lockery, Bertie Walter, and Rhonda Howard, and longtime patrons Marilyn Berglund, Carrie Mullis, Aaron Worthen, Peggy Peters, and Ramlin Ranger. Here's Token Far North Token. And I, and I found myself just completely reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. It was scary as hell, but again, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's being able to harness it. This is no more uncertain than Allison and I living in our car, traveling around the West Coast, applying for different lieutenant and captain's positions at fire departments and working as a ranch hand or something, you know. Get to do something amazing. Exactly. It goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Do something incredible with your life. Exactly. And I mean, I could have gone and worked for like a private ambulance company or something, but I would just be scraping (laughs) the bottom. I'd be pissed. I'd be jaded. And so I was just like, all right, well, we're going to do this. Um, And so in the interim, I did. I was able to find another... Another search and rescue job kind of fell into my lap up on the North Slope for the, the Shell oil exploration that was going on up there. Kind of a kind of saved me because I didn't really know what I was going to do at all. It paid all right, but I, it was like two on, two off, and I was like stuck in Barrow, and I was still working on a helicopter. wasn't what I wanted to do. They really liked the fact that I had all this experience and I could be like a leader, but they weren't going to pay me for it. You know, so I got just what happens with when you when you're around. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so so I was able to just coast and doing that. It was stressful for Alice and I because it was two on, two off up on the slope. Well, we're going to start this can of business, and we want to we want to know what we need to do to make sure that we can that we can get in. And so I uh, I, I contacted a guy who I had had met through friend and ultimately one of the business owners here, my buddy Seth Hawkins, he's our lab manager. He introduced me to Greyer Hopkins, right? Smart guy. What's up, Representative Hopkins? You're the man. 
he's my representative, and I voted for him. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Wow. Um, we we had met at, the, at Seth's chess club, and you know, really smart, really connected guy. And mm-hmm. so I, I just asked him. I was like, hey, you know, so we're trying to we're trying to get into this industry. What do we do? He was like, well, you know what? The the best way to become part of an industry is to become part of the the rulemaking process to be as informed as you can be like you're already an activist mm-hmm. you 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 know you've done the clean water thing you've been going out getting signatures for this thing you should form an organization that is focused on the laws and on on regulation and best case scenario you you actually end up shaping policy worst case scenario you'll be informed you'll know what's going on and so we formed the Coalition for Responsible Cannabis Legislation. Circle. Circle, yeah. We took a different approach. Instead of doing the straight grassroots, we're going to get as many weed smokers together as we can. That didn't work in 2004. But what had worked is the, how the Marijuana Policy Project operates. You know, they, they won the campaign in Colorado. Our campaign was based upon their language. Alaska being a, a, a very libertarian state, a lot of fiscal conservatives, lots of Republicans, a lot of the Democrats here are business persons. We are going to put on suits and we're going to play the game. I had never worn a suit in my life. I'd worn a tux at prom, but I'd never worn a suit. So we went out, we bought suits, cut our hair real short. I actually had a, had a, a big... Like fro and then a mullet for a while. I had a mullet when I was on the search and rescue team, which was the coolest thing. People would always trip and I take my helmet off. Like, what the fuck is this guy? But uh, yeah, cut cut my hair down like this. Got a couple of my prettiest, well-spoken friends to do the same thing. We pitched it as we are the premier grassroots organization. We represent the industry here in Alaska. We were completely shooting from the hip. Yeah, you guys did a great job. I remember when you guys came out. I was, this is awesome. Yeah, and so, and we just, you know, we, we took a bunch of of the ideas, people who had come before us, things that worked, things that didn't work, put our own spin on it, and tried to form the most professional grassroots advocacy organization that we could. And it worked. Media latched on to us. The campaign latched on to us. They brought us on. I became a campaign spokesperson to regulate marijuana like alcohol. I met Vivian at a debate. We soundly defeated her and her prohibitionist friend at this debate. And and the victories just just started to pile on. Circle was growing. It was getting a a lot of support from both consumers and the business community. Uh, I was was starting to be able to to get in front of politicians. Mm -hmm. Then Representative Scott Kawasaki was the, the very first seated official to to reach out to us and, and was like, you know, I, I don't consume cannabis, but I think it's unfair to jail 2,000 Alaskans a year for a plant that is objectively less harmful than alcohol, and, and I, I want to support you guys. And I don't really know what I can do, but you, you've, you've got a friend. And so we met with them, and, and as you know, that, that relationship has, has grown. He is the greatest friend to the cannabis industry in the Senate champion for us in the house he spoke out against peter uh Menark. it was poor spirited him running that opt-out campaign scott and, and adam wool and you know, gutenberg they kind of you know led the charge to try to mm-hmm. make it to where he wasn't confirmed but 
we were doing Circle, and the campaign was going well. We're winning debates. You know, Bruce Schulte and Taylor Bickford and Kim Cole, Jana Weltsine, the Leaf Able down in the southern part of the state. Uh, and then it's just you know, a few Fairbanks and up here, you know, my, myself, Gerard Gall, Frank Berardi, Sean, and our friendly legislators, which really helped. And we won. Holy crap, guys. We won. Hey, Good Doers of Alaska, Tom with Good Cannabis here. Just wanted to take a minute, give you a quick update on our sales this week. Sunday, February 3rd, $27, all good coconut oil, 50 milligrams of infused THC. Monday, February 4th, $12, all Durban Poison 1 gram King Rolls. Tuesday, February 5th, $24, 2 grams Durban Poison. Wednesday, February 6th, $150, all half ounce good flour. Thursday, February 7th, $27, 2 gram good flour. Friday, February 8th, $45, all eighths of good flour. Saturday, February 9th, $12, 1 gram king rolls. Sunday, February 10th, $35, all good gummies. 50 milligrams infused THC. As always, we'd like to thank Midtoker and look forward to seeing you down at the shop. Be safe and stay warm, Alaska. And Far North Tokers would like to thank Good Cannabis for sponsoring the podcast. Friday and Saturday, 10 to 11. Sunday through Thursday, 10 to 10. 356 Old Steez Highway, Fairbanks, Alaska. 907-452-5463. Good Cannabis. Here's Token. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. And things started going really fast after that point. I got a call from the governor and from the governor's office offering me the, the job. I'd, I'd met the governor about two weeks before that and I approached him at a barbecue and I was like, oh, Governor Walker, how's, how's it going? And he's like, oh, pr- pretty good. You know, and I introduced myself and uh, told him, you know, first that you know, I voted for him and that I uh, was, you know, one of the spokespersons for the marijuana campaign that I wanted to be on the marijuana control board and that he should be, you know, see my application come across his desk. And he's like, well, what, what makes you any different? One, I'll be objective. Two, I'm extremely driven. Three, I'm here looking you in the eye and shaking your hand right now. Like, All right, we'll see. And then, uh, yeah, I got, got a call from from the governor's office and was like, hey, uh, you're on the list. Let's do an interview. Did my interview. They said I rocked it. Yeah, and then I was I was ultimately placed on the marijuana control board. You reported, was that a one-year seat at first? That was a six-month seat. They gave me Six a, months. They gave me a short straw. I didn't really have any gray hair at the time. And so if I was a betting man, I'd say that was by design. They gave me a six-month appointment. Just to see how you would do? Just to see how I would do, I think. You know, maybe they said that was staggering the seats or whatever, mm-hmm. but the seats aren't staggered like that anymore. There's no half appointment. There's two-year appointments and three-year appointments, you know. Things went things went really well. There was, a, you know, there were some highs and some lows. There was 
there was a, a lot of learning to be done on my part. I'd, I'd never been uh, a public official before. Well, like Robert's Rules and stuff like I that. I had to learn Robert's, Robert's Rules. <laughs> and um, I, I can um, thank Luke Hopkins for coaching me there. He gave me a copy of Robert's Rules. And he gave me about a 20-minute spiel on all of the main rules and how to use them. How to debate like playing chess by using Robert's Rules. Yeah. Uh, because anyone else that knows Robert's rules knows you, that you have to follow them to be taken seriously. And if you don't follow Robert's rules, sometimes things you do could be illegal. Now, now the Marijuana Control Board isn't isn't um, required to use Robert's rules, but having a, a parliamentary procedure in place it made it made it really helpful. And so, yes. yeah, um, this is a strategy like you're saying, chess. You, like chess if you see someone else pulling out this tactic you've seen it before you know what's going to happen you know what's coming after that you know if they pull this and they want to revote or they want to delay or table it you just know all those words you know what they're, what they're trying to do exactly yeah and so yeah it was going really well i survived my six month appointment i got reappointed to the, the were you worried about getting reappointed i was you know one of the few things that i'd been unsure about was just can, can i do this like in, in my mind coming from a working class or a working poor background, I always thought that the only people who make it into politics are rich kids who have family, has some sort of dynasty. Fortunate sons. Yeah. Fortunate sons, you know, even people who got really good, most people I knew before that who got really good grades in college, they became scientists and stuff like that, you know, all politicians are related to one another and this and I just, I just didn't know if I could do it like him, you know, in the back of my head, there's, there's always been, you know, that poor kid from the trailer who is, is worried and scared. Yeah, just you not know? thinking you're good enough or you don't belong there or. Exactly, and so like, not gonna allowed in. Yeah, and so like so deep down, I'm actually pretty meek, and and I have this like wolf persona that that shields that inner child, you know. Mm -hmm. And the wolf told the kid, "It's gonna be okay. We're gonna do this," you know. And when I got reappointed, I was like, "All right, it's game on. I'm here. I learned the form. I can hang with these guys." In the beginning, I, I was following policy and I'm listening to all kinds of things that's happening in Oregon, Washington, and Colorado. I get this fantasy, maybe I could be on the board. And oh wow, I'm so happy I was not. The amount of work that you put into it as... What is what is the compensation, quickly? Is there any compensation, money compensation? No. I didn't think so. Reimbursement. So it's a volunteer position. You get per diem for when you're traveling so you can buy <laughs> food. Sure. It's pretty comparable, you know. We go to a place like Juno or Nome, which have really high food prices. Yeah, I, I don't think I've made a, a dime off of my per diem. If I could go somewhere and, like, buy food from a grocery store, like, when we're in Anchorage, I try to get my food from New Sagaya, but you still you end up going to lunches and dinners and stuff like that with people, and and it adds up. So, yes, it's a truly volunteer position. It's just, it's time. But it gets you know. back to that Hopkins talk. You want to be involved in it. You're going to learn and you're driven. When you go to a meeting, let's say it's simple. Let's say it's in Fairbanks. They're normally like on a Tuesday, Wednesday. 
Thursday like that. Yeah, yeah, it depends. They're usually in the middle of the week. Um, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday. So what Wednesday. happens for you? You you've got to prepare somewhat. When you're going so yeah, so an average day is actually not Fairbanks. An average day for me is somewhere else because I'm only right. in Fairbanks once a year. You know, so an average day okay. for me is um, the the night before. I'll I'll read the board packet, read over my notes. How big is the board packet? Sometimes they're huge. If it's is if it what it's, we're seeing that we have access to. There's that, and then there's all the applications too, you know. And you get the you, you get the applications as they're being finished, you know. So you can go over the applications beforehand. So there's like there's reading before, so because there's all the prep, you know. If you're trying to do a regs project or something like that, you've been working on that for weeks oh, yeah. or whatever before, and reading reading the different applications are coming in. But the night before, I'll go over, I'll read the board packet all the way through again. I'll read all my notes. I'll rehearse what I'm going to say if I've got some solid points to make. Like looking in the mirror, Martin Luther King style? Yep, in the mirror. Nice. I generally don't like actually say, I found it trips me up actually if I talk to myself, you know, um, out loud, but I will stand there in the mirror and like look at myself and look at my thoughts and the way like my head moves and stuff. I'm kind of like a head hand talker. I've, I've tried to, I've tried to like keep my head more still when I'm on camera. Do you have a T on your mirror? It's like really hard for me. I don't. I should though. So I notice when I talk, I like move my head around like a bird or something. Get that artist T. Yeah. Exactly. It's... I hate that some people when they talk to you, they just like look and just stare. Just. I can, I can imagine. It's yeah. It's tough to debate those kind of. People. Peter was really good at that. Peter's tough. I I respect Peter as an, as an adversary. And if if I became governor. I would actually, I'd put Peter on the board of game. I think he'd be great on the board of game. Marijuana wasn't his forte, but uh, I think he's a good guy for the record. You read the packet at night. Yeah, I read the packet that. at night. Yeah, I read the packet at night, and uh, I get up I get up in the morning, and the morning usually sucks because I've got to fly somewhere. Very like very seldom is it in Fairbanks where I can kind of go in there leisurely. So you're flying the morning of a meeting. You're not I'm flying the, the morning of the meeting, yeah. So i got to get up at 3.30. i got to get all my shit together, you know, get my you know, suit on, teeth brush and blah, 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 and then get to the airport, then fly, and then get from the airport to the meeting. And so I've generally been up and going for, you know, five and a half hours by the time the, or four and a half hours by the time the meeting starts. I get to the meeting, generally, yeah, a little, a little tired. And so that, that first morning is sometimes... A little rough. A lot of the presentations by the officials at that time, right? Mm-hmm. The authorities coming in, giving you guys reports. And- yeah, and so you're kind of sitting there, just like, you know. But uh, get into it, you know. Get my cup of coffee, and and then as soon as it's time for the regs, there's like a switch that flips. Whether I'm tired or hungry, Does it do it itself, or you or whatever. Do you like okay? It's time. I gotta. Go. It it just happens. It's it's like. Uh, I used to be really nervous for my wrestling matches. I almost never lost, but I would be the guy who would be like, who would feel like sick before his matches. Even if it was against a guy who I knew I could beat or in track, you know, I was always so nervous and a little afraid, but being able to harness that fear again, you know? And so when it would happen, it's just like, all right, this is, this is do or die. And you use that because, you know, when you're afraid, you have adrenaline going, that fight or flight. And it's like, all right, it's time to fight and just go into fucking game mode and I think that's one reason why I was successful at towing the line 
for the industry and keeping the prohibitionists from from really swaying whoever was the swing voter. Because there's a lot of three two votes. Is because I I could I could bring it. I could articulate. Um, even though I was like scared as hell at first, I, uh, I I felt that I had a duty to the industry. Like, okay, I made it this far. I am now the industry champion. Do you know who Cincinnatus is? Cincinnatus? No. You are the Alaskan Cincinnatus. Cincinnatus is a uh, Roman general. I was going to ask, is he yeah. Greek or Roman? Yeah. Who was, um, who George Washington looked at as a foundation of democracy and where it comes from. And this idea that he was a farmer. Wars are coming in. He leaves his farm. He gives up his farm. He gives up his... Uh, Civic, civic virtue, where he goes in and gives up his life for something bigger, and I and I keep thinking about that with you, and and now as I don't want to jump too far ahead with mm-hmm. you, um, with your governor call recently, this week, a couple of days ago, yeah, that, yeah, we'll get to, we'll get all to that one. Now you get to go back and and be the farmer again, you know, like George Washington did. You know, he it, his time was done. He went back home and did his thing. He and he looked at it as a time that he, it was his duty. No one else was going to do it. And he knew if he wanted to be successful, being his surveyor and land, if he wanted to be successful in his business, he needed to make sure he was writing the rules. Wow. And it's so he is called the American Cincinnati, George Washington. Okay. And I will call you the Alaskan Cannabis Cincinnati. <laughs> well, what you've thank done. you, man. That's oh, awesome, man. You're welcome, man. You deserve it. That's that's cool. Yeah, I um, actually, I really enjoy Greek and Roman philosophy. Um, I subscribe to Stoicism. I'm a fan of Marcus Aurelius. Actually, just got meditations as a gift. I'm gonna start mm-hmm. reading. Some people are born great, and other people have greatness thrust upon them. I, I think I'm the latter because I, I certainly I, I, I didn't want this when I started. Right. I always just wanted to have a good time and be healthy. And it just seems like there's always more people that have questions or need help, then I, I find answering questions for me. And, and so it's like, well, if, if all these people I meet are asking me questions or, or, or needing help, I guess it's my, my duty then to, to do it. So, so yeah, that's the marijuana control board thing. I, I, felt, I felt that it, that it was my duty to toe the line. And then it, it was no longer about, okay, yeah, I'm going to try to, learn about politics and regulation so I can, you know, have a successful business. It's, it became much bigger than that. I'm building this business and had the, the work of building an industry put up upon my shoulders as well. And well, you became the industry's champion. You became the people's champion. I mean, the people that wanted cannabis. The people that wanted access. cannabis, yeah. And uh, there was a, you had to feel that pressure behind you. I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of pressure, but... I, I like to consider myself a team player, and we had a great team. It wasn't just me. It was all of those people and more that I had mentioned that were that were building me up. And all I had to do was just was speak because I knew that I had this, this great team and all this support. And as long as I went there and I, I was honest and I was steadfast, I knew we'd win. It worked for, for a long time. I was on the marijuana control board for three and a half years. Was able to keep 
very much unnecessary regulation out of the regs. We got a lot of stuff in the regulations that, that we needed that allowed the industry to flourish. Ultimately, we were, we were able to, to get on-site consumption passed. Now, who, who knows if with this recent development, if it'll be recalled or if the lieutenant governor will refuse to sign it or what. But, but I, I, I think that that was my opus on the board was to, to be able to, to get a regulation through that says by its virtue, cannabis is accepted in this state. And that's why on-site consumption has always been such my baby. As you see, I started a concentrates manufacturing facility, which is a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, a retail with on-site consumption waiting in the wings. Yeah, as the, as the company grows, it'd be great to have one of those. Well, you'll be supplying the concentrate that's going to be used in the on-site consumption. Well, the concentrates aren't allowed in on-site consumption right now. That was something I had to give up. That seems to, to me get it in there. the most... The, the thing that you would want to have on-site consumption for mostly. Baby, yeah. unfamiliar with that. They can come in, be shown how to use it, shown how to use the product. That seems... Oh, yeah, there's less smoke. Like the whole... Yeah. The interesting thing about not having concentrates in on-site consumption was that the whole argument against on-site consumption has been against smoke. But if you know anyone that vapes, the vapor just falls down onto the floor. And it's, it's not smoke. Now, I'm not going to say it's healthy for you, again, unless you're a medical patient who has been recommended by their doctor. If you're just using cannabis recreationally, it might not be good for you, but it's certainly not bad. And the, the vapor is, is not smoke. The vapor particles, like I said, they fall to the ground. It doesn't hang in the air for a long time like smoke does, which has been the whole anti-smoking movement. Yeah, opposition to on-site consumption facilities. So... What's what's important about passing on-site consumption is that I felt, and I think very many other people in the state felt, that we hadn't truly defeated prohibition until marijuana is afforded at least most of the same rights as alcohol is, right? And you can't say that marijuana prohibition is over until people have a place to go consume it. Having a system that we do now where... The cops just look away. Mm-hmm. They and allow they, us to be criminals. They allow exactly. They allow us to be criminals, which I I thank the police for. Um, I actually want to commend the the Fairbanks City Police. They've been so cool. They would smile and wave and flash their lights at us when we were waving signs out there to legalize cannabis. A lot of the guys aren't allowed to speak out, but I know that many of the dudes who are working the streets support legalized cannabis. And they don't come to parties and bust people and give them tickets for smoking in their yards and stuff, you know. But it's it's still, they're put in that situation where maybe there's a situation, there's a really good cop who thinks cannabis should most definitely be legal, thinks that on-site consumption should be legal, thinks that in the state of Alaska, there's no public alcohol consumption laws. Municipalities may have them, but the state doesn't. There's a cop that could be put in a situation where they absolutely have to give someone a ticket for it. Or conversely, like say they're they're training a new guy, they have to tell the new guy about the corruption. The new guy says, "Oh, hey, there's someone smoking a bong on the street. Oh, we don't enforce that one." And and so that breeds into that new officer a 
culture of picking and choosing the laws depending who is LT or cap on that shift, you know? Mm -hmm. That's not a good system to have. Mm -hmm. We need our police officers to have solid direction. And they should be able to enforce all of the laws as they're written because the law should be just. And you should enforce it. That's that's that makes things safe. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and that's one reason I want to commend Chief Ankerfeld. He knows that on-site consumption venues would make Alaskan safer and would not put police in an awkward position, uh, assisting in in breaking the law or not enforcing the law. So uh, I was I was really I was really proud of that, and and just proud of my accomplishments mm. in general on on the marijuana control board. Anything specific sit out to you? as something you're really proud of, which is kind of an overall term. There was there was speak at times about not allowing edibles. We made sure that didn't happen. There was talk at times about not allowing advertising or having advertising be as restrictive as it is or was in Washington. I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of being able to educate my fellow board members. And, and that's one thing that I, I think the remaining seated board members would commend me on if they were asked, like, what what did you like most about working with Brandon Emmett? And I think they would say that I was well-informed, that I was professional, and I was compassionate. I'm also extremely proud of having the support of the board when I went to D.C. Both the governor and the board su- supported that effort. There was there was no one that told me, you shouldn't go to D.C. and lobby on our behalf as a legislator. And I'm not a registered lobbyist, so I was based, I was hanging out in D.C., which anyone can do. Mm-hmm. We were just able, because of our name, we were able to, to get in front of a lot of legislators. You know? And so being, being able to, to take forward what we've done with Alaska's marijuana industry and being able to stand there, shake Don Young's hand, and talk with him and his staff or in person, thank him for his support on the Cannabis Caucus, and give him some of our ideas, give him some tools to work with. I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty proud of that, yeah. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD available on the market today. They carry a wide range of CBD, oils, tinctures, capsules, patches, edibles, lotion, bath bombs, vape pens, pet tincture, and bulk CBD isolate. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoke and Deals in Fairbanks, Anchorage and Kenai. Nature's Relief, Grass Station 49, All Locations, Wishful Things, Chena Hot Springs, Great Alaska Bud Company, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs in Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, Relief Alaska, with more locations coming soon. Check them out at www.thenorthbowlrefinery.com. The North Bowl Refinery bringing you the finest CBD in Alaska. How, how about this on-site fines that are going towards the events? Ah, okay. What's going on? We've got Canvas Classic, mm-hmm. Corey Ray, yep. Hempfest, um, Nikki, I don't know. Rapana, Rapana. Yeah, just yeah. sits in my brain. I don't know yep. how to say it. And the High Times event. What were the differences between them? Why one being singled out was it just that the right authorities were is that the different events? Or? So there's there are four events four. Which one that were in question. So there was the there was the Cannabis Classic, there was Hemp Fest, there was the Green Spring four twenty event in Wasilla at Settlers Bay Golf Course. 
I do remember. And then there was a High Times event, also at Settlers Bay Golf Course. And that is significant because some people have said, well, it's, it's, real, it's real strange that the events that Mr. Emmett didn't support or his company didn't sponsor got fined, and the ones that he did didn't get fined. I, I think what is convenient for some of these people is just they, they don't really look at it objectively. It's like, okay, you come to me as a successful businessman, and you ask me to sponsor your event, put my name on your event. I'm going to want to know about your event. What kind of security measures are you taking? Do you plan to follow the rules? Because I've got a recognizable brand. I've got a seat on the marijuana control board. I mean, you see what can happen when just pictures come out of maybe breaking the rules. If if you're actually, your name is tied to breaking the rules, that could be really bad. And and so I've known Corey for a long time. The, The guy... He just refuses to do anything other than Corey's way. And, and I wasn't asked to sponsor Cannabis Classic. He, he doesn't like me that much. But we knew that, that the, the venue was going to, to have on-site consumption and that there weren't measures in place to, to prevent that. Because there every single bar in this state has people smoking weed outside of it, or even inside of it on the weekends. The difference is, though, having security and saying, hey, guys, this is still illegal. We cannot condone this. I'm going to have to tell you you can't smoke. Now, are the police going to be there making sure that the bouncers are cracking skulls for smoking cannabis? No. Like we just said in the, the previous bit of the discussion, the police just look the other way. Right, as long as you're not being an idiot blowing in their face. Exactly, and so it's on the organizer. And so events like the Canada Classic and like Hempfest that we decided not to sponsor, it was because we knew they couldn't show us a plan that they were going to be able to reasonably claim that they were not breaking the rules. There was no policy established Exactly, yeah. And so... (laughs) Whether it's enforced or not, it wasn't written down in those... That's right. Whether it's enforced or not, it wasn't written down. It's as simple as that. And something that got these guys into hot water was they actually advertised consumption. They had pictures and video of the, if not the event organizers, of parts of the event that could most definitely be policed by the organizers, people openly consuming. Now, the Green Spring event, which happened at Settlers Bay Golf Course, which I want to thank those guys for. They are awesome. And high times, there was signs up everywhere. No public consumption. There weren't any smoking booths or whatever that were actually sponsored by either high times or Green Spring. And they had security walking around. And people were being too blatant, you know, with it, like, smoking next to security camera, smoking next to the al- where the alcohol venue was and said, hey guys, you're not supposed to do that. And so those are the kind of events that, that we were able to latch on to and sponsor because, yeah, maybe the police would, would come there and give people some $100 fines, but they were doing the best they could to reasonably comply with unreasonable regulations. And, and I think that's something that's gotten lost in this conversation is that at every 
opportunity that I've had as a board member, I've spoke for the need for on-site consumption. I've spoke for the hypocrisy of being able to have venues where you drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes. They're like a hypocrisizer. But you cannot consume marijuana. I, I even said that fundamentally I disagreed with these organizations getting fines. And here is, is the, 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 the big pin that holds this issue together that, again, I, I think a lot of these people that have criticized my decisions didn't realize was that politics always come into play when you're making policy, board politics. As a board member, I'm compelled to enforce the rules as written, even if I disagree with those rules. And so if I would have said nothing and just opposed the rest of the board and voted no on the fines, the original fines that were proposed for both Canna Classic and for Hempfest, they would have gotten way bigger fines. And so the politics of that decision was the industry guy takes it on the nose and he's the one that proposes the fines, but those fines are reduced and he's the one that gives the little lecture even though it's bullshit, all right? That's the politics, and that sucks. But I was willing to do that. I was willing to get slammed. No, you did. Oh, I did. I got run through the fucking ringer, man. But I'm okay with that because I know that even though Corey and Nikki hate my guts, if I would have stood by and done nothing, or if I would have rattled my saber... And told the rest of my board members they were completely wrong, that these rules are bullshit, and voted against it, it would have either been a 4-1 or a 3-2, and they would have gotten the full force of the fines. Why were those events fined and the other ones weren't? Just because, What was the key that made it? Because those, those other two events didn't get violations. Oh, it was based on violation. It was based on violation because the, the board was able to... The enforcement was able to argue to the board that those two events broke the rules by sponsoring public consumption. Did they try to get the high times and the the other one at Green Springs? The cops don't talk to the board until they bring them something, you know, mm-hmm. so we didn't know. But there was rumor that there were enforcement officers at both. But the enforcement officers aren't going to to go and write $100 tickets, even them. And so so this is something that was leaked to me. There's a rumor that, that there was some direction for members of AMCO to go and, and actually write $100 tickets. At the High Times event. At the High Times. But they, they didn't. Now, they may have went, but no tickets were written. They may have went, but no tickets were, were written and no, and no violations were given to the organizers of those... <laughs> two events. Um, and I think it's notable that Kirby Komen, the, the owner and organizer of Greenspring, he, he has been a, a, a vocal opponent of some of the, the actions that have been taken by enforcement. He's one of the most vocal speaking out against the CBD seizure. So it's, it's not like they were just going to give him a pass regardless of whether or not I sponsored the thing. It's, it's because of the rules as they were written and following that rules as best they could and making it, putting it on enforcement and on the police force, which decided to do nothing, 
to really, really work hard to, to get violations, right? Whereas the Canna Classic and Hempfest, they just handed it up to him on a silver platter, you know? So that's why those guys got fined and why Greenspring and Hempfest did not. That's also why we chose to sponsor events like Greenspring and why we didn't sponsor events like Canna Classic and Hempfest. Hi, I'm Hippie Aaron at Frozen North Farms. Here at our family-owned and operated farm, we hand trim and water our fine cannabis. We are small craft harvest, so the next time you're at your local dispensary, ask your favorite bud tender for Frozen North Farms products when you're looking for Hippie's quality stash. Frozen North Farms. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. What's the deal with the picture? The picture of you hitting a bait. Oh, so if you go to Facebook, <laughs> um, that either happened... Um, at the Cannabis Classic, which was indoors, um, or it happened um, at the the private event that was held by the ACBA in in Anchorage. Um, so it wasn't even a. I, for some reason, I thought it was attached to the High Times event. Well, are people trying to do the, that? Rome is the mob, you know. And so if that's if that's what everyone on Facebook says and believes. And what's what's funny, and this is going to be a good one. So people people got to do their forensics, right? All right? So if you look in the picture, it was obviously a hot, brilliant, sunny day. There's even a little beads of sweat in my uh-huh. forehead, right? None of these events that they say that happened at were hot and sunny. They were all overcast, or it was dark and it was inside. And actually, that was part of the investigation because enforcement. They're not just looking to cover my butt. I've slammed enforcement before. Right. James and I have, have Well, they probably had to be loving just like, oh. oh, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, man, I think we can get this guy. And, and James is actually really professional about his investigation. But they did an investigation into me. And they, they asked me about that. Oh, explain where this is, you know. And, and uh, was this at this or this event? And I, and I told him, look at the picture, James. He's like, yeah. And I was like, you tell me where it was at. He's like, well, I can't tell. I was like, did you check the weather that day? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? I was like, I know this isn't an episode of CSI, but you got to do some police work here, you know? And he's like, I was like, look at the weather. Those events were held on cold, cloudy days or inside. And this picture of my friends and I at a barbecue was hot and sunny. It was Fairbanks. It was a backyard. Do you know where the picture was taken? In Fairbanks. Yes. Do you know who like ratted it out? Like took that picture and sent it somewhere? It was either Corey Ray or Phil Eisen, one of the two. Ooh. Those guys both jumped on it pretty quick. Maybe it was Corey first, and then Phil really took it and ran. But they with it. found it. Like it was on my. It was on Instagram. It's on my okay. Instagram. Just clowning, having fun. And so I learned a really va- yeah, just having fun, trying to play the dude's career. But but hey, you no, know, like you, I said, I was a wrestler. You, like, oh, I was just yeah, I was on just your having fun. Account, you had a barbecue. You're yeah, you know, you and and so it's like I'm a business owner, you know, and and uh, I like to be you know well known and. And that's the funny thing is because you can't tell whether it's CBD pen, a THC pen, whatever. Right. You know? Um, and I actually made it. Prove point. it. Yeah, exactly. Prove it. But I learned a valuable lesson that day. I learned that I am no longer 
just Emmett from the the pot farm, all right? That I I've been in the public eye long enough that the actions that I take are scrutinized online, you know. And whether they're valid or not. They whether they're valid or not. And now I understand how politicians and celebrities get just completely hosed on a daily basis and some of the stuff may be based in reality it might not and so we've got a picture of me having a vape at a barbecue it gets turned into the board member vaping blah 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 at, at, at high times and then finding them or, or hemp fest and then finding them and shit exactly. and it's it's so far from the truth but there is some value in all of those negative comments and that it's perception right so, and I had to realize that, that people's perception of me and my position as this, you know, quasi-celebrity policymaker, I can't do an act like I did when I was just a business owner or just an activist or just a rugby guy in college. You've added a switch to your panel, huh? Exactly. Yeah, I, I have had to add a new switch and it's the don't fucking do that switch, you know, and, and my best friend told me he's like, you got to make the circle smaller, man. While you're in the public eye, people are going to say things about every, anything that you do that they can. Your followers are going to love you right. and your detractors are going to hate you and, and you've got to be able to, to kind of surf that, you know. And so so I realized that it being in the position that I'm in and being as visible of a public figure as I am, that I can't have pictures of me vaping outside in a state where it's illegal to vape in public. Like if I had a picture of me vaping with a tree in the background, that could be me vaping in a national park, right? you know, or in the middle of a park in Anchorage or someone could always say something. And so I, uh, I've had to go through and purge my Facebook. I did leave that picture up for principle because... If I think if I took it down, right. that would validate some of that, you know? Yeah, but I, I don't let people take pictures of me vaping anymore. If, if I do, you know, let someone take a picture of me uh, with alcohol in the picture, I make sure it's it's not me actually drinking it. It's just like, you know, maybe, that, maybe we've got a glass of wine on the table or something. Or a lot of times, I'll like, if i got a beer, I'll hide it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I try to make anything that the public sees now... It's me, just the but it's but it's but it's a it's a more guarded for me, and now and now I get it why politicians and celebrities act the way they do in front of the camera because you can't actually be you, or someone is going to use it against you unless you want to be like Donald Trump and have like just enough supporters to do what you want to do, but tons of haters, and you tell them all to fuck themselves all the time. That's not me. It's not um, a good businessman. No, exactly. There's the business part, you know. He didn't act that way when he was in business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as a a businessman, like, I've got my shoulders to look out for. You know, some of them ask questions like, Emmett, what are you doing, dude? No more of those pictures. So that's, like, company policy, actually, that I I won't be filmed consuming. So uh, that was Vapegate. I'm I'm really glad he brought that one up. I was wondering if if you were going to or if I was going to have to stumble upon it, but. No, it's good to, I mean, it's good to set, set record straight and hear it from you. <laughs> Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. 
high quality American made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting at competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm gonna let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're gonna find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. That's changed now. You are not public on the board. How did that happen? You could so <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's this, you have a meeting with the governor, and you know more about it than me. I, I saw a simple timeline. Okay, in the beginning, you have six months, and you figure, okay, I'm gonna get it replaced, and you don't. Mm-hmm. So then you're on there for your three years. Three years. Yep. And you have until March. Why are they so anxious to get rid of you a month and a half early? What's happening in this next ninety days? So here's the here's the strange part. So I got a call, and in the call they said that the the governor thanked me for my service, but that he has chosen to go in another direction. More than another direction. Okay. So I was like, "Who's my replacement?" They're like, "Oh, the person will be announced in a week." All right, cool. That's it. They're like, "Yep, that's it." I'm like, "Okay, well, it's been great. Thanks a lot. Peace out, you know." And then I uh, did you go smoke a joint right then? No, I didn't. I sat down on my computer and I started sort of doing emails. Like telling people and just that you got the news? I told the board, you know, that I'd been removed by the governor. Is that the first person? Yeah. Your wife? You talked with your wife? Uh, She was at work. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this is, you're just, you're active. She was at hockey. One of the two. She wasn't there. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. So, yeah. It's in there. Yeah. And so I, uh, I, I emailed a, um, Email the board, and uh, yeah, and I was just like, yeah, I got removed. It's been great working with you guys. I really, really, truly enjoy working with everyone that was on that board. It's a really good board. That final makeup we had, and even before that, with, uh, Travis Welch was on the board for a little while. He was really cool too. A lot of the stories I'm hearing with you, like with your contract with the feds, with your helicopter search and rescue, where you're doing everything right and it's out of your control. And you lose. Yeah, I and in quotes, I'm putting. Everyone doesn't see that, but you didn't lose. It was an appointed position at the leisure of the governor. Exactly. But still, had to hit you hard. So there's there's who you are. There's a really cool dialogue from one of my one of my favorite stories. It's the uh, story of Batman. Bruce Wayne, young Bruce Wayne, he falls down and he breaks his arm. And Alfred comes up to him. It's one of the most like compelling moments in his in his life. You know, it's part of all of his memories in the comics and the movies and stuff. He asks him, "Why do we fall, Bruce?" And Bruce starts a broken arm. Like I don't know. You know, and he's like, "So we can learn to get back up again." And I think if you're going to be a champion, you've got to learn to lose well because it happens to everybody. And you and you've got to get back up again. And so the times in my life where I've been knocked down, that was my motivation was to just not stay down. And so, yeah, this, this thing with the governor, you know, I was thinking, I got removed. All right, I got I to gotta leave with grace, email everyone on the board, and then I got to think about what my, what my next steps are. How am I going to recover from this? How am I going to advance? 
um, in my career and, and, and politically. And what was odd is, uh, so I was removed from the website. The website said that my seat was vacant, no longer had my name there. I'm like, well, shit. And then I get an email from Erica saying that the governor's office contacted her, contacted her first, not why they didn't call me, contacted her and were like, oh, there's been a huge misunderstanding. Mr. Emmett isn't kicked off the board. He's just not being reconfirmed. But we want him to finish out his term. We're not firing him. We're, we're actually just going to go in another direction. And my first thought as a business owner and someone who's, who's been in leadership most of their adult life, would I fire someone and then tell them, oh, by the way, you got to finish out your last few shifts because we still need you? Not good business people. <laughs> no. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? That is so unprofessional. Or just the damage that one could do in in uh, being vindictive of being in there. Just like, I, I've worked in many restaurants in my life, so we have different kind of paths, but okay. my restaurants was, if you get fired, you're done. You're out the door then. Yeah. You're not there to, gone. to steal 200 more bucks that night. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so they, they fire me unceremoniously and then tell me that I'm not fired. I don't know if it was because they didn't realize that I talk to the media all the time and I can make a news story whenever I want. So what is it? Are you or aren't you? So I am still on the board. Vivian Stiver doesn't start her term until February 28th. The last board meeting is February 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So I know that I'm not going to be reappointed and I've got one more board meeting to go. I, I plan to remain a professional. I'm not going to do anything crazy, but it calls into question the strategy of this administration when they would disregard someone who is as motivated and motivating of a speaker as I am and give them a platform for another month. I think this administration came to be on, not on skill or on savvy, but on political opportunity. Bread and circus. He promised some money and games. Exactly. Rome is the mob. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like they like said in, in Gladiator, he'll bring them blood and they'll love him for it. To Dunleavy and his team's credit, they capitalized well on an opportunity. Really well. Because they didn't have to campaign much. We're Republican. We're conservative. And we got some fat PFG checks, boys. <laughs> Here it comes. Yeehaw. And they don't need to explain the, the budget because... Most average Alaskans can't comprehend Just a, give me the money. a complex budget, and, or they don't care. Right. You know, working class, when, when I was young and working class, both, I didn't give a shit about politics and policy. It's like, oh man. Well, I elected you to do that. I'm going to get a, yeah, I'm going to get a PFD check. Sweet. Oh, you took my PFD check? You suck. Oh, you're going to give me a fat PFD check? You're awesome, dude. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think that's what they're, they're riding on. So... <clears throat> So yeah, so now we're at the point where I'm actually, I'm still on the board. Vivian doesn't come on until the end of February. If she's approved by the legislature. So she'll come on, so she'll she'll get on the board, and then the, then the confirmation process with the legislature starts, and then if she's confirmed, then she'll have her first meeting in April. Okay. So it's like a, um, a position, just figure. Like yeah, she's not exactly. Doing any, she's not participating in the meeting at all. No, she's not. 
One of the things that worries me about her is one of her uh, quotes that she had when she was asked about being on there, and she was talking about um, she's a little worried about how the the process of getting on-site consumption went, and it made me think that Robert's rules and you how you were saying earlier, if we don't do it right, things come back, and she's looking to investigate how it was done, and it could simply just be brought up again and uh, voted again and destroyed, right? Is there any... It could, yeah. I mean, there's... It, it could. Yeah, if the governor, if the lieutenant governor doesn't sign it, which the lieutenant governor has to sign it, they're not allowed to not sign it. If the no. Department of Law doesn't kick it back, Department of Law um, has approved it. The lieutenant governor has to sign it. And so Vivian will have a really hard time bringing it back because it should be signed before she's seated. But just put up incredible amount of roadblocks. And- she could. She could She could vote against any on-site consumption venue. We could have a regulation, but she could vote against it, you know. Here is what I find really disingenuous about Vivian. I don't think that she is looking out for the best interest of Alaskans. I think that she has some deep-seated personal experiences with drugs and alcohol, whether it's her or or as a family member. And she has convinced herself that it was marijuana that caused this person to become an alcoholic or it was marijuana that caused this person to be a heroin addict. I don't know her story, but I know prohibitionists pretty well and I know what a lot of their motivations are. And I would be shocked if there wasn't some sort of traumatic experience in her life and she has made cannabis the enemy because it's something that's illegal. It's something that was clandestine. And that's the bad guy right there. It's this devil herb and we're going to go after it. And her comments that she made to the media just recently or just recently, just recently were were absolutely ridiculous. Like you said, she wants to ask about how the process went. If she had paid attention to the process, we've been wrestling with on-site consumption for three years. The public health representative on the board, Lauren Jones, he and I were part of an on-site consumption committee where we worked on these regs tirelessly together. And he and I disagree on on-site consumption. He didn't vote for it. He doesn't think it's a good idea. I think it's an incredible idea. We were both able to come together and come up with a regs packet that satisfied both of our needs. His position, which I respect him for, was that if this is going to pass, if the board votes this through, we need to have these robust protections for both local governments and for employees. And I, I agree with him on that. You know, I was like, I, I don't disagree with you, Lauren. I'm okay with all, all of the stuff you want to put in there. I'm okay with it. I think Erica was actually shocked when he's like, I want this, 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 and this, and this, and this in there. Done. I want, I want to have the purchasing process and the ability to leave with your cannabis to be as simple and painless as possible. He said, oh, okay. We had both given it a lot of thought, you know, and we both agreed on that. And it's taken it's taken multiple different iterations and multiple years for the on-site consumption regulation to come about. This was proposed by Cynthia Franklin mm-hmm. back in, in 2015. So this, is, this isn't something new. This isn't a turnip that's rolled off the truck, you know. I think that Vivian is fairly intelligent and that she's got enough public speaking experience that she knows what to say to the media to, to sound objective. But we all know her history, and her history does not 
make me think that she's going to be anything other than abject prohibitionist on the board. And like you were saying about your team that was pro-cannabis, she's got a team too. Exactly. And her team is very intelligent also. Yeah. They know how to run things and they know how to get things put in. And they're smart. Something. They've all been in government before. I've, I've de- debated a handful of them. They're, they're intelligent people. They, some of them think they're doing the right thing. I think others are just kind of misguided. It's hard when you get your career based on a misconception. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I disagree with their approach. They at one point they used children as as a campaign tactic, oh, sure. which I think is uh, immoral. I think you should should let people their minds form at least most of the way before you start trying to bend them to a, a, some and sort it's of not a political. About kids. Exactly, you know. Yeah, the kids aren't gonna kids aren't gonna be in there smoking weed. Right. You know, you'll see the industry association say the same thing in the media. But I, for all of our listeners who don't know Vivian Stiver, I want to get her <laughs> record out there. So, she was the campaign spokeswoman for. No on two in Fairbanks. We debated one another. Like I said at the beginning of the interview, that's that's where we met. She was an active participant in the no on two campaign. That failed. She has, at every opportunity, spoke out against legal cannabis businesses. She testifies against the businesses at every city council meeting and at every borough assembly meeting that she attends while there is a marijuana business on the docket. She was also co-chair of Safe Neighborhoods Fairbanks, which was a defeated ballot initiative that sought to make cannabis businesses illegal in Fairbanks and the North Star Borough, essentially wipe out a significant portion of the state's cannabis business. That campaign was defeated 70-30. The people of Fairbanks spoke. 70% of adults in Fairbanks don't consume cannabis. You know, it's probably only like 15%. But 70% knew that having a well-regulated market is better than having an unregulated market. And they knew people that consumed. And they all know people that consume. They're they won't your, put them to jail. They're your doctors. They're your lawyers. Yeah, they're, they're your business owners. They're your teachers. They're your friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is incredibly disingenuous for Vivian to paint herself as an objective public member and use the policy-making platform to continue her campaign against legal cannabis. That is extremely unethical. I'm going to oppose her as strongly as I'm able. All will be doing that. What do we have? What, what is the final date? Do you know? I believe, her, the, believe the confirmation starts like the 1st of March. But what people can do, they can write letters uh, to their legislators, call their legislators' offices. A lot of times that's more impactful than an email. They can write letters to and call the governor's office. Flood the email and flood the phone lines and say, hey, this person does not represent me. This person's perspective that they bring to the board is not one that that should move forward and and ultimately people need to attend the board meetings uh, and and put new board members on notice that they need to uphold the will of people they are speaking for a certain segment of the population that that doesn't want this to happen and that that's gone right Mm -hmm. it's past 
Yeah, Let's do exactly. Positive policy. Yeah, seven, seventy thirty, man. It's it's like the prohibitionists failed, and then failed again. What I think is most interesting is when the vote passed in twenty fourteen. It was like 56 percent. It was close. Now we see seventy thirty and sixty forty both here in Fairbanks and on the Kenai Peninsula. And what that tells us is people who voted against legal cannabis before voted for it this time. Especially local uh, lo- local ballot initiatives or, or local elections have generally an older and more conservative turnout. And so we didn't have all the college kids coming out and vote for this. These these were you know these were a lot of your older people, and even they knew, hey, this. The stuff that they told me was a lie. None of this shit's happened. People have jobs. There aren't more car crashes. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. So why should we make it illegal? And, and again, Vivian has brought no perspective other than abject prohibition to any of these public meetings. Why should we be convinced that she's changed? We should not be. Yeah, I keep, that was years ago. Yeah. It hasn't changed. That's where she gets her power from. Yeah, it's... It's, it's ridiculous. So I hope she's not confirmed. I hope that the cannabis industry continues on a safe and profitable path. And, and uh, I hope Alaska can benefit from it. Was there a piece of you that is relieved that you're off of it? You don't have to read that packet the night before? Do you think you'll still read the packet before? I'll, st- I'll still be very actively involved. I'm, well, I know that. I, know, yeah. I, I can't imagine you not being. Will I read the entire packet the night before? No. Am I going to read people's... Are you going to listen to the first one you're not there? Um, yeah. I, I, it's going to be hard not to. You know, I'll focus on, on my family and friends more. I'll be able to focus on my business more. Um, but, man, I'd gotten really good at it, you know. And it, it was... It, it didn't take nearly as much homework as it did at the beginning. It was still a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's not like it actually took a terrible amount of my time anymore. Well, it's, you get into a stride. Exactly. It was in my stride. I was feeling good. Yeah, I, I'm definitely still going to participate. You know, I'm going to participate in public comment. I'm going to try to, to double down on the efforts of the Alaska Marijuana Industry Association. And maybe this will be a silver lining. My detractors have started reaching out to me to say, we got to work together on this. And I said, hell yes, let's work together. If this is the lightning rod that the industry needs to go from a jar of silica sand mm-hmm. to a crystal ingot, then so be it. And let's remember, uh, Sean Tacky was in here earlier talking about this idea of someone being put up that's so egregious to the industry that will just accept anything that comes after. So let's all remember, once she is not confirmed, let's pay careful attention to the next plans are not Step one. That's it. They've got more to their plan. So let's just remember the next person they put up. If yeah, I would I would hope that... Watch it. If and, and when she is not confirmed, that the the governor sees fit to, to go in a slightly uh, less zealous direction and, and find someone who represents people's interests better. Like a member from the public? Great. Let's have it be a member from the public who is objective about cannabis. Maybe they don't smoke it, but 
they also don't think it should be illegal. Right. We need a thinker. We need someone who can think logically. Yeah, maybe an intellectual, uh, a um, philosopher king. Exactly. Like a college professor would be an am- amazing public representative. You know, someone someone who, you know, isn't in any of the stakeholder industries, but who knows about cannabis, can look at it objectively, that'd be great. Or even better, someone from the industry. And I could see if I was removed for political reasons, it's it's no secret that I'm a pretty progressive guy. And, you know, I was appointed by a, a governor who left his party to run on an unaffiliated ticket with, with the Democrats. So a very, very moderate governorship. He was a Republican and, and Malat was a Democrat and they, they ran together. And I, you know, I might have been uh, a little a little farther left than the the, the governor might have liked, but I probably aligned with Malat well. And, and I think being a being a moderate Democrat is much more of an objective position than than being either like a hardcore liberal or a hardcore, just like, like my best friend, he's a moderate Republican. And we debate back and forth all the time. But one thing that we can agree on is the the lack of unity and the vitriol that we see in, in this, the United States administration and now what's happening in this administration isn't healthy for for us as as a people. You know, it's it's okay to to, to lean one way or the other, but you gotta you've gotta be objective and you've gotta be willing to, to work towards solutions. And so if Vivian isn't appointed and they go with someone who is in the industry, maybe they'll maybe they'll find a good moderate Republican in the industry that they can they can sleep at night saying we put someone with an R by their name in this spot, but that they're gonna they're going to look at what's best for the industry. We should compromise know? and go libertarian. Let's stick a libertarian. There's no libertarians <laughs> in the state. I'm I mean, you're a libertarian? Okay, <laughs> you're a libertarian. China Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles, mmm, concentrates, by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles, by AK Frost, and the good cannabis gummies, head on over to China Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at China Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. China Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Welcome to Good Titrations. This is this is my office. I got my cool relief or not relief, uh, accent wall here. I keep calling it a relief wall for some reason. I don't know why. I don't actually, um, doesn't, it's not very relieving. It's, it's pretty bright and exciting. Did you do it um, yourself or did you have someone come and do so it? So we, we had uh, a trim design do it for mm-hmm. us at the suggestion of our landlord. And this was actually his idea. The logo? The, the, no, just the accent wall. Okay. The logo, 
Yeah, he wanted us to do accent walls. He's like, man, you guys are spending all this money getting this thing going. You might as well have cool offices. You know, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks more. So we got these cool accent walls. The logo was uh, a collaboration between Sean Tacky, my wife, and I. So Sean came up with the Sean came up with the the emblem, which is actually that crescent is the shine from a Dragon Ball. And the oh, so you're using negative space, sir. Yeah, exactly. So the and the gear in the middle there is a simple distillation apparatus. Mm -hmm. That is the basically the silhouette of the first crude short path that I learned on. Yeah, that's kind of you know one of the items that we base the business around. And then Allison and I both really love rock (laughs) music. We love the Beach Boys. You know, love surfing. So she's like, well, what about good titrations? You know, good, good, good. And titrations, yeah, titration being, you know, a, a chemistry and medical term about delivering a desired dose for effect it's like wow we got we got rock music we got surfing we got science bam and then i came up with the color scheme and so you you see that this is this color scheme is a little different than the one you see in a lot of our packaging but it's got it's got the same colors Mm -hmm. it's just got them arranged differently Okay, what are the most popular brands? What are the most recognizable brands? What colors pop the best? Yeah, exactly. So red, white, and blue, and red, or, or an, and white, blue, and orange. So USA and like the Tide scheme. Denver Broncos. And exactly, and Denver <laughs> fucking Broncos, man. Um, and so we're like, all these other cannabis companies, they're coming out the gate with green or gray. Or a real good one, gray and green. Or maybe black. Ooh, you you know? Ooh. And, uh, and they're like, you know what? That's fine for them. But it's weird when you walk into a dispensary and it looks like a fucking Army-Navy store. Because everything's camouflaged. It just blends into the walls and the shelves. And it's like, oh, yeah, you got weed. It's all, everything's green. Sweet, you know? <laughs> like, we want to have a national brand. And to do that... You need to build a brand. You obviously have to have good products, but you need a recognizable brand. Like, we can do it with this color scheme. Tide's done it. Denver Broncos have done it. FedEx has done it. A ton of these big companies have done it. So, we did it. So, that's that's the logo. And we're like, all right. So, we got the we, we came up with the logo, the name, and all that stuff before we we had really developed the product line. You know, it's, it's not illegal to make concentrates in your home mm-hmm. in Alaska. And so we, we got a closed loop system. We weren't going to do open blasting. We got a closed loop system. We got a fractional still. We got gifted marijuana. I also grew marijuana. So, you know, you're allowed to keep all the marijuana that you grow. So Frank grew weed. So we had a decent amount of weed to work with. We figured out how to make shatter wax and crumble. We figured out how to make distillate. Then we went about building our brand and building our company. And we knew we were going to be going up against companies started by guys who had been making dabs for a long time. We know that it's going to be difficult to come out the gate with the the most refined product, but we can come out the gate with the most recognizable brand 
with a solid product and with the best business practices. You hadn't been, uh, you had no experience with manufacturing prior? Zero. To buying your first, awesome. Because I, I mean, knowing that you're the businessman, um, listening to all the shows prior to our legalization, manufacturing was number one. Yeah. And you guys are genius. I mean, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like we penciled it all out, and it's like, man, like I mean, I'm I'm a pretty good grower, but I just couldn't make the numbers work. I remember one of the things you said. I you said it at an EMEA meeting one time, and I was like, oh, but you you said. Uh, we're going to take all your trash and turn it into gold or something like that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, shit. It's so true. That's what we do. But we take the take the shit and, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, we like we can actually polish turds, you know? Yeah. Like, um, we take everything that people used to not use. Exactly. What people couldn't make into brownies that they would throw away or burn or right. whatever, you know? It, was, it, was, it had THC content, but it was just had no value. If it wasn't good enough to go into joints... And you can only make so many brownies, right? Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do with this stuff? We'll make concentrates. And we penciled it all out, and the numbers were, were great. Much better than much better than growing. And we, we, didn't, we didn't understand retail all that well. And you needed more money to start off with a retail, you know? So more difficult for the zoning and stuff. And we thought the numbers would pencil out well for retail. But we had science backgrounds um, and wholesale marijuana backgrounds and so we were like this is what we're gonna do we we did it we we put the lab together and our strategy was okay because we know that we're gonna have a good brand we know we're good business people and we know we're gonna be competing against people who have great products like some some of my competitors like shout out to Justin at Einstein like that guy's got great dads. And you're when you're talking, I wasn't thinking you're talking. You're talking the legal competitors. Yeah, you're not. You're not even talking about the legal competitors at this point. There's no schmucks on the black market that huh. that can that can really do what what we were able to do. There's guys down in order, but you got to order that shit on the internet. You know, there's you guys see the guys on Facebook. Oh, I'm this big black market guy. Da da da. And they're making a handful of dabs. We were we were teaching our so we were taking our entire harvests. And processing them, getting as much gifted to us an ounce at a time as we could, and doing big runs, and then we're like, we're just going to scale this because we just know science, being able to learn exactly. We know there's guys like Justin out there who have been doing this for a long time, who have great products. We're going to have to compete on volume, and so we built a system that does just that. So we're doing, we got brand, we got business savvy, and we got volume. And we just, we hit the market with pounds and pounds of shatter. How many stores are you into right now? We're in like 60, 63, somewhere in, somewhere in the ballpark there. Nice. Yep. All yep. over the state, right? I mean, all over, all over the state. We're, we're everywhere. Every region that has a store, we're there. That's branding. I mean, you go to Fairbanks, you get good titrations. You go to exactly. Fairbanks, and so titrations. that's one of the complaints that we get from some of the stores is like, oh, well, the only thing I don't like is that there's nothing that I can get from you guys that sets me apart. There's nothing that makes me, I can't get anything special from you guys. With our model, we can't, we can't really, unless we get a lot bigger, we can't really give something special to each store. But aside from a few of them, they all buy from us because 
the brand is recognizable and people know they can go into any store and get one of the same eight cartridges. It's a different business model. I mean, you have Coca-Cola and then you have, uh, I don't know, something that's just sold only at that pizza brewery. Yeah, yeah, I would think of, uh, yeah, like, well, we're definitely not, you know, I liken it to the alcohol industry. We're definitely not big enough to be like Miller Coors, you know, but say, compare us Denali Brewery, right, which has like the best IPA around, right? But they're small Mm -hmm. and it's more expensive. Great products like you know Twister Creek IPA is like the best, but then you have Alaskan, and Alaskan they're not Anheuser Busch, mm-hmm. but they're to Alaska they're everywhere. But to Alaska they're they're everywhere, and I I would like to get to that size someday to where we are the Coca Cola to where we are the Anheuser Busch, and that's what we've been focusing for on. the country. Yes, sweet. I don't know if we'll get there, but we're gonna we're gonna try. I believe you. That goal's there for you, man. I mean. There's nothing that you've said this whole time that would make me see that you're going to be um, complacent. <laughs> we're going we're to keep grinding and until until we get there. And, and that until goes the, to that idea. You guys are practicing to compete on a national market. You don't. And you're talking about your competition in Anchorage. The idea that uh, we don't want to limit competition. No, because it's going to make us weak in the in a global competition market. breeds innovation. Competition's good. It is. You just want to be really fucking tough. You well, know? You want to be the one that wins. Exactly. You want to win. And uh, and, and win fair. That's that's a, that's important for me. Well, fair is a big ballpark, isn't it? It is a ballpark. Business is, business is cutthroat and it's brutal. Fair is not being corrupt in business. You know? You're uh, corrupt. Like kind of having uh, morals in the handshake and that kind of place. That kind of stuff, yeah. Business is super cutthroat. Like, it's like the game Monopoly. You're trying to make other people go out of business. Oh, that's yeah. not nice. Make them cry. It's not, you know. That's that's quote unquote. It's maybe it's fair. It's not equal. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the point of that game? Is is to be the one left yes. holding all the properties at mm-hmm. the end of that's the game. The you know. So so yeah. So um, and and that's and that's what we're we're continuing to push for is improving our products. Um, and, and creating great value for our customers, but all the while making sure that we stay ahead of everyone in volume. You know, that we got, we have the most number of stores, that we have the most products out there. And right now you're doing that? We are. Yeah. I don't know if we're the largest cannabis business in the state. There's a couple other businesses that start out with a lot more money, but we are definitely the largest concentrate manufacturer. I don't think anyone can dispute that. No. <laughs> uh, that's why I say I, you are up on you're on the I know you don't want to use Coca-Cola but for Alaska you're for there. Alaska we're, the, we're yeah for yeah. Alaska we're there you yeah. know we've got we've got shelf space in every store Pepsi. other than the people yeah other than the people who hate Coca-Cola and just don't have it in their store because they have Pepsi or something mm-hmm. like that you know we're that do you find that? We're you, that are brand. you having that here in Alaska? People are yeah we got like I think there's 70 stores there's some stores that have an exclusivity deal with some of our competitors Another business model. Yep, exactly. And then there's some there's some stores who uh, who simply don't like us. There's some people who are paranoid because I was on the board, and they thought that I would get them busted. But those are kind of the people you don't want to work with because it's like, why are you paranoid of me? Like, it's not like I'm spending my time looking to get you busted. I'm trying to make money. Yeah. And I was like, but if you're a shady fucker, you know that I'm the industry seat, right? Exactly. You know. And so so yeah, it's like out of like seventy. Retails were in about 60 
And and so that's yeah that that's our goal is is just to to keep coming out with new products with more products keep working on those price points keep working on the quality and and uh, remain the dominant firm in Alaska and and then expand nationally. Right thank on. you for being part. Thanks you for yeah. Being. Well, thanks for coming in, Mid. You're always welcome. I'm I'm glad I, I was finally uh, able to uh, to get on the show. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. It's it happened good. at a good time. It did. Thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. And, uh, holy fuck. Hello, people.